Welcome back to the Story Dram Podcast. My name is Corey LaCroix. I'm here with my buddy Chris Casteltz and our other buddy. I don't like that. What am, I'm not going to call you. My buddy. My, my buddy. I'm, other I'm, buddy. <laughs> Wherever you I'm go. Here with I want to go. Hey, my other buddy. buddy. <laughs> so this was a this is a doll they sold in the 80s. Uh, called my buddy. my buddy. He doesn't know my buddy. He's eleven years yeah. old. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, it's yeah. You didn't. You didn't have a my buddy. No. Oh, it was this, this, oh, this like it was like a too. it was oh, like yeah. a two foot doll, what? and it was like it's your the buddy. Thing ever. Yeah, and like it was for boys. Like not that dolls oh, aren't for boys, but boy? it was for it was, it was like a designed. boy doll. Called yeah, my and then buddy. there was a girl. What was the girl? Kid one? sister. Kid sister. Kid sister. Wherever I go, Whoa. she wants to go, kid sister. This seriously, sister. Do, do, do. Kid, kid sister and me. This feels like a, a nightmare. I, <laughs> it I, was the 80s. It yes, was. it was. I can't tell this is real life right now. Yeah, there were Cabbage Patch dolls and Garbage Patch kids. And uh, it was yeah. oh, Garbage Pail Kids. That's garbage right. Pail Kids. That's I was not allowed to have any of, of that stuff. No. I mean, I wasn't allowed to have G.I. Joe's, so I'm not having Garbage <laughs> It's that Nate Bargatze line. Like when they put The Simpsons on TV, I was like, "Well, I guess they're just showing R-rated TV shows now." <laughs> I totally wasn't allowed to. Until I was like 15. Oh yeah. My dad oh yeah. Did it. Yeah. Right. Oh he was my like, mom. Like a personal vendetta. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Against the Simpsons. It's like they put. Yeah, Simpsons was edgy when we oh. were children. Wow. Oh, Way like edgy. Super tame. Eat my shorts, man. Like totally edgy. Parents Eat talked my about. shorts is edgy, huh? Right. Yeah. No, people talked about the Simpsons in the 80s and 90s the way they talked about Family Guy five, ten years oh, ago. Wow. Like, it was that unthinkable to parents Whoa. that a kid would talk to his parents on TV like that. It was yeah. amazing. I, I don't think that happens anymore. Right. There's no television show that isn't Christian that creates as much outrage. Like, correct. No, right. There's no. There's nothing on TV that's so outrageous to parents. Mm-hmm. People are like, "Well, that's fine if other people's kids want to watch it, but yeah, my right. child only listens to NPR." You know, like whatever. <laughs> like that's that's kind of like how it is now. You know. Like, <laughs> I want to meet the person that says that in real life. <laughs> they, they're your neighbor. You live in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Story Dram, a podcast where we share stories to help share the story. Have you ever felt paralyzed when someone asks you a question? When someone asks us a question, it's often better to answer with a story than a soundbite. I'm Corey LaCroix, and I'm here with Chris Costelles. Let's tell some stories. Welcome back to the Story Dram Podcast. My name is Corey LaCroix, and I'm here with Chris Castells and Pat Malay. Pat, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. How hey, are you man. doing? Oh, great. Glad to be back. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, word on the street is that you recently went to the Minnesota State Fair. I did not. No. No, that wasn't That was you. just him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I, that is false. <laughs> yeah. Lies on lies. You know, funny you say that. I should have just made it up. I, Chris, have been in the state fair <laughs> twice in the past three days. Yeah. <laughs> Two days in a row. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Best thing you had? I think a lot of beers. Because, yeah. like, the Minnesota State Fair is, like, you literally, think? I think. It's Minnesota Beer Fest. Because I have written them all down on my phone and have check marks next to them and ratings. Um, but the best one we had was Castle Danger did a blood orange cream ale. Hmm. Ooh. And it was... 
Delicious. I'm not a fruit beer guy. You know what? I'm not usually mm. either, but when you're drinking one at 9.15 in the morning, <laughs> you kind of maybe want the fruit beer a little bit. You yeah. know, When but it leans mimosa, it's probably it, a good it, thing. It yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a beer that just had all the like essence of a blood orange. It was rich and deep wow. and creamy and good and a little orangey. So it was like almost like orange juice, but not, it wasn't juicy in a was way like that a you want. sickle. No, because it didn't have no. that lactose thing totally going. Okay, you know? okay. It wasn't koi. It wasn't fake. It just tasted really, really good. Huh. But it was a really delicious beer. Awesome. Was good. And then we drank all the uh, all the IPAs and everything, you know. Mascot race. Ooh, vacation mullet was also very good. Um, <laughs> which was... Okay, beer names are the new band name, oh, by the way. Just beer like... name call it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We had mascot race, uh, vacation <laughs> mullet. We had one called BFF. Well, actually, it was like BFFF, and it was three different breweries did it, and they all, like, their initials made BFF. <laughs> and it was a really dry IPA, but it was really good. I like yeah. that. It was fun. There were a lot of good beers out there. Vacation you know, mullet. Sweet mercy. So today, I, I don't know how to make this transition from beer to childbirth. So <laughs> we're just well, after you, have, after you have a child, after your wife has a child, you probably should have a beer. Yeah. Yeah. A little celebrate. celebratory beer. Yeah. So. And it gets lactose going in the woman. You know what I'm saying? Lactation. It's true. Beard Did you know does? that? Beer does. In yeah. in a lot of countries. So my friend who was born in Brazil, right after she was born, yeah. the doctor or the nurse gave her mom a Guinness yeah. to promote lactation so that huh. she could nurse more quickly. When yeah. when Ella was know that. five weeks early, mm. and his body was like, wait, we're doing what? Um, <laughs> and the first couple of days were a little touch and go. Yeah. The the nurse was like, hey, have your husband you know, sneak in a Mick Golden Light and have it on the roof. And then like you'll have you'll have you'll have plenty of milk the next day. Wow. Probably an old one. You heard it here right. first. Just a disclaimer, this is not a medical podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's giving birth is like, no, no, I'm going to try it. And again, to be very clear, after the birth. Yeah, after, after the clear, yeah. Before, certainly frowned upon. Don't need upon. it before. So Correct. A bunch Only... of first times, Dad. They're getting their hospital bag ready. <laughs> Putting beers in. <laughs> yeah, the well, dad like... can drink it whenever he wants. Yeah. Why do we need two bags? Well, one has all my beer. <laughs> he brings a cooler in. He's like a, a wheeled Yeti he's bringing in. They're like, what's that? Like, for lactation. <laughs> My buddy's podcast. We're serious <laughs> about lactation, lady. <laughs> I'll text it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. That is so good to have you. Oh, oh thanks. I got to be honest. I'm stoked to hear the story. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was a dark and stormy night. Yeah. Um, what happened? So we have a number of children, uh, seven to date, uh, and our first three births were like what I would call probably predictable in a good way just yeah, like yeah. you just do the thing like you pack the bag and then actually when when our oldest was born my wife's water broke while i was in the final harry potter movie with my brother and sister and so she texted me i went and left the movie theater called her Everything was fine. No, no major labor. And then I asked one of the more dangerous questions in our marriage. Oh, I love it. Which was, can I finish the movie? <laughs> <laughs> and she, to her credit, my beautiful bride said, you know what? I don't think there's any like motion in the ocean right now. Yeah. I think you can go back in. It's totally fine. So it was yeah. great. Best yeah. of both worlds. Um, everything was totally normal. Our fourth pregnancy uh, was was beautiful and fine. Kind of was feeling as good as you can 
when you've had a person inside you for 39 weeks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and she, uh, he was also born at the beginning of June, so it was getting into the heat a little bit. Yeah. So she was just ready to be done, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and it came to the time where, like, he's ready. Like, we're at the due date. Time has expired. Kenna's, like, eviction notice, you're out of here, you know? Yeah. But nothing was really moving, right? So... We we were in our bedroom and she was like she had was having contractions. She wasn't super uncomfortable, but they were noticeable. Like this was actually early yeah. labor. Like there's no these weren't you know kind of false Braxton, Braxton Hicks, Hicks type yeah. contractions, right? Uh, but it wasn't really picking up. Like it wasn't engaging. Labor wasn't advancing at all. So she talked to the the OB at a certain point and she said like, well, you know that he's probably just not in the right position yeah. to really like engage and trigger labor and get your body to do what it needs to do. You know? So kind of was like, okay. And if you, if you give my beautiful bride a, a task, like a goal, that is step one in the motivation process for her. Step two is if you give her something she can research to figure out how to do more effectively, yeah. she'll do that for hours. So she yeah. was just pounding away at YouTube of like, exercises and body positions to try to get the baby in the right position, you know, and, uh, none of it really works. So this is like probably midnight one in the morning now at this point, something like that. And she just like was uncomfortable. I was sleeping because there's nothing I can do at this point. She's like getting up to go to the bathroom. She'd come back. She would do a couple of these, you know, just like inversion things where she'd like stick her butt up in the air and try to get the baby in the right <laughs> position with just like weird kind of crazy upside down type things. whatever. And then none of it was working Obviously. until one of them did. Uh -oh. And all of a sudden she did this like upside down oh, wow. kind of thing. And Whoa. then she stood up Whoa. and was like, he is coming. Like <laughs> oh. it went zero to a hundred. And she woke me up and was like, she, what she told me is I either have to pee right here or I'm going to have the baby right here. And I was, I was like groggy. I was like, well, I don't want to do either of those right here. So, <laughs> can we? Like, Both sound bad. I'm going yeah. back to bed. So can we take this to the, the bathroom and see what happens over there? You know? So we, we, we make our way to the bathroom. She's walking like very gingerly, uncomfortably. Like everything is different now, right? So she is saying like, well, I think maybe... Um, I, I may just need to have this baby on the toilet. And again, I was like, nope, hard pass. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> like, not that I am about to tell a woman in labor what she can and cannot do, but if I had a choice, I would prefer to not fish a child out of the toilet right. at any point in time, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, so the bathtub is a, seems like a better option to me, right? Yeah. Like yeah. a little less yucky. So what about that? So we get to the bathtub. All right, so then... Probably 10 minutes go by or so. And Kenna's like, all right, I think I think I can make it down the stairs. And yeah. we get to the top <sighs> of the stairs. And she takes one step down the first, the very first step and is second guessing this entire maneuver. Wow. It's like, I don't think so. Like, she just like is her body is like tensing up. She's having a contraction probably every 45 seconds or so yeah. now. Something like they're coming yeah. quick and fast. Right. Mm -hmm. So I helped her, like, I kind of bodily carried her down right. the stairs, yeah. right? I get her to the couch, and it becomes clear at that point, we are going no farther. Like, yes. we've made it to the couch. That's a great this <laughs> amount is a of progress. Huge upgrade from the toilet. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I can't tell you how happy I am. <clears throat> 
I can't tell you how happy I am that we're on the couch and not on the toilet anymore, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is great. And then my next thought is, this is about where my expertise expires. I, I'm, I think I've done everything I can do. So really, to this your point. job is to get her someplace. Correct. You right. got it. <laughs> I didn't get her all the way there, but we didn't have the opportunity. So I called nine one one. The gal was very helpful. It's clear to me in the first ten seconds of the nine one one operator knowing that there is a baby coming that the calls about a baby being born are usually a little bit different than this one because she's giving me really hilarious advice, right? <laughs> she's telling Ooh. me like, okay, do you see the baby? And I'm like, <laughs> so I I check. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't see the baby. She goes, okay, that's good. If the baby begins to come out, don't hold the baby in. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> No, but you know what? They gotta say it because somebody did it. It's the instruction manual issue, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In my mind, I'm picturing some jabroni who was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! Hold on, hold on, stop, <laughs> babe, you got it. We're not there yet. Stop. We're gonna lose the bet." Oh my gosh! So. I'm trying to be patient with this gal on the phone. I'm like, yes, I got it. Don't hold the baby in. Okay, sounds good. She's like, if the baby's coming, just, you know, like, be ready to receive the baby, play catch. I'm like, that's great. I'd rather not do that, but that's fine. Okay, so she's like, I'm going to stay on the line with you. First people that get to the house are two firefighters. I'm sorry, two police officers first. They were the first ones on the scene. They come in. (laughs) It's three in the morning, and they come in flashlights blaring into the dark house <laughs> right in the eyes of my delivering bride right and she is just like ah like, like, get away from me and these very do the cap- lights on the house what's that do the lights on in the house no the, it was not pitch black but it was dark oh, for okay, her yeah. comfort right yeah, like yeah, just yeah, to like yeah. have a peaceful environment it, and then it, here it. comes like <laughs> from the tv show cops like bad boys coming in here what's right? she gonna do yeah. <laughs> And it was clear that what they were going to do was absolutely nothing because he's, I'm sure they're very you got capable. It, Pat, good. We'll be outside. Uh, literally very capable, very helpful. But they did a quick scan of the, of the situation and they were, they literally said out loud, I mean, healthies will be here in a minute. We'll just let them handle yeah, it. Yeah. We're uh, going to direct some like, traffic. Correct. Right? Which yeah. to their credit, like, it, I, <laughs> uh, second unit on the scene, firefighters, only nominally more interested in delivering a baby than the police officers were. So they come in, they check the medical scenario and the situation. They realize that mom's vitals are good. We're just going to wait for the EMTs at this point, right? So the ambulance finally gets there, like, whatever, a minute later. They come in. And now there are six emergency responders in our living room. One of them is a female, one of the EMTs in the ambulance. I'm sorry, there were three in the ambulance. So there were seven folks total. And the female, of course, is the one that's like, let's go. We're having a baby tonight. (laughs) She was like, take charge, get in there. She was awesome. She was fantastic. One of the the dear sweet gentlemen uh, who is on the ambulance squad suggested that we put Kenna in the stair chair to get her down the about maybe 15 steps from the street level up to our home, which is kind of higher up. I thought he said scare chair, S-C-A-R-E at first. And I was really concerned what they were about to do to my pregnant wife at three in the morning. But what they did was they put her in a chair that's like, you know, if, if you can't get a stretcher down some stairs, you put a sick or an injured person in a chair yeah. and you roll them down like a refrigerator on a dolly. Yeah. Right. So they put Kenna on this stair and they, 
<laughs> they did not think through the fact that you're taking a woman who's delivering a baby and like ba-boom <laughs> down one step. <laughs> ba-boom down the next step. And it takes two steps and kind of scream like, no! Like screams out like, we're not doing this. So then they finally did the right thing is they just picked up the whole chair and carried her down yeah, without right, hitting the steps, right? right? Yeah. Um, we get into the ambulance and like, I've been in the delivery room for three babies before. I know my way around a birth at this point. Yeah, the, but the top end. That's correct. The top yeah. end. That's right. <laughs> but I don't know what happens when you have a baby in an ambulance, right? So we get to the ambulance and yeah. I just like hop in the back. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. This is not your seat. You're going to drive in your car. And I, I had to like very nicely tell them that that's not the way it's going to work. Like, no, I'm I'm not going in a separate vehicle in case this baby is born right here. So they were like, okay, fine. So you can sit up in the front of the ambulance. Yeah. So again, part of me is like, I don't want to miss a moment of my son's birth. And part of me yeah. is like, it's pretty sweet, actually, to sit yeah. up in the front of an ambulance. It's like a nine-year-old boy's dream come true. You know? <laughs> Did they let you drive? Like, like, can I can I hold the horn? Yeah. You gotta do the sirens. I will not take my own car, but the fire truck, I will <laughs> happily ride in that. Yeah. So we get into the back of the ambulance. I'm in the front, and. Um, <laughs> they check in with Kenna. They're like, how you doing? Kenna's like, I think I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. All right. Okay. We're going to go to the hospital. And the driver puts the ambulance in drive and, and lets off the brake. And so we go about two feet and Kenna goes, I have to push. <laughs> so he slams on the brake, throws it in park. I run around to the back of the ambulance again. And our little beautiful son was born at 4.20 in the morning, and wow. I got to watch him in the back of an ambulance, and it was totally beautiful and great. Our friend, our good friend Jenny, who came to watch our kids while we went to the hospital, she had gotten there maybe at 3.30 or so, about an yeah. hour before, and she was watching from the front window of our house. All she saw was me run around the ambulance and get in the back, and then she thought she saw them put a baby up on Kenna's chest through yeah, the yeah. window of the ambulance so jenny is like weeping tears of joy from inside the house That's awesome. we have to finish the ride to the hospital and we get there and the doctors are like well you did all the thing all the stuff like what do we can run a couple tests now but like we don't know what to do in this situation yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was really it was beautiful in a lot of ways because the the emts especially they get apparently um a little pin of a stork whenever they deliver a baby in the field. Wow. And it's like, a, it's like they told us it's like a really cool thing that is pretty rare actually yeah, for, yeah. for an EMT. So, so all three of them got this little stork pin that they cool. could wear. It was blue for a boy. Um, and they also said like it, it was like this really beautiful moment for them to see the baby like from the house and then delivered in the ambulance and then in the hospital. Um, because they, all they said was like, when we get birth calls in the field, they usually don't end this well mm. that there's that there's like tragic Whoa. situations out there when they get yeah. called to a birth scene right? right you know um so they were just like over the moon super excited we had we we called we got in contact with health east the the medical um company they all sorry two of the three emts came to our son's first birthday with an ambulance a year later Whoa. so that all of his friends and our family could go and like check out the ambulance <laughs> and do the fun kids yeah. thing and all that. Oh, and they took cool. pictures with him and all, it was the best. Super that sweet. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my I love that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Pat, thanks for sharing your story with us today. <laughs> my pleasure. Honestly, God bless, God bless your wife. So great. Uh, yeah. God bless her indeed. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. She's amazing for many reasons, but um, giving birth to a lot of beautiful children is one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think 
so my wife's given birth to three children. I think what's so it's one of those moments where you feel like so much care for her, for your wife, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like you feel this need to 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 love and you want to help them to not be in pain. Like you want to do all these things for them and you're in no way in charge of anything. Like yeah. it's really not your jam. So right. yeah. Um oh, what was what was it like to feel that when you weren't where you quote unquote were kind of planned to be? You yeah, know, we plan to right. have this birth in the hospital. We plan to. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I will be the. Dr- Tell you what, I'll drive. Um, yeah, you know, right. like, <laughs> you know, you get all these things that you're gonna do. You didn't even get to go get ice chips, right? I mean, right. like yeah. all this stuff. What was that like for you? It was really um, fascinating in retrospect because, you know, I, I I had heard all of these kind of claims about what it means to be a good husband and a good father before we got married and as we were having kids about what it means what it means for me to, to provide and to protect and to, um, to be there for Kenna in every situation. And um, I, I love that. I, there's a lot of truth in that. But, but frankly, part of me looked at those types of words and was like, that feels a little bit kind of like, like a harsh distinction or yeah. it feels like a little bit too much. Because to be honest, Kenna is a very capable woman. And so she, yeah. there, there, there's not a lot like day to day that she needs from me in like a material sense, right? Like yeah. she, she works hard and she has her own career. She does a great job as a parent. Um, she's very capable just in like kind of worldly, normal day to day things. Um, so it, it could be easy for me to imagine that she will be fine no matter what I do. Right. Yeah. yeah. But in, in that situation, it was really obvious to me similar to the ways that our other children had been born. But obviously, like you pointed out, Chris, like there were some ways that this was totally outside of our plan. You know, like all of us, both of us had to pivot and be flexible and figure out what the next best step was because this Mm -hmm. was not in the script, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was a really crucial moment for me to be able to to provide and to protect in a really tangible way. um, And to be the person who could kind of like take in all the variables and try to make the right decision to protect my bride from any problems that might come up from childbirth. You know, Mm. Um, she was in no position to make a decision, right? She's just doing exactly what she's supposed to do, which is to bring a healthy baby into the world. But she's not in the position to say like, well, is it too early to call 911? I think the stair chair is a bad idea. Like she had, she was not mentally engaging with her surroundings. So I had the great privilege of being, kind of the buffer between her and the outside world of, of mm-hmm. making decisions that were good for her and for our son yeah. of communicating her needs and helping to kind of anticipate her needs and hopefully see things before she even knew what they were. Um, it was, yeah. it was a, it was a cool opportunity to be, to be flexible and to provide in ways that, that her need wasn't a sign of weakness in her. Yep. Like she was being un- incredibly strong in that moment but she still had needs, even in her strength. That it was a real blessing to to be able to meet. Yeah, I think that moment in the story where like you get her downstairs and you're like, okay, I think it's time to call nine one one. Yeah, like, right. I have reached the end of my expertise. Um, I think it's such a good witness to me and I think to men to know that uh, it is good to to pick up a phone and call sometimes. Yeah, like right. like I don't really know how to handle the situation. I don't really know what to do here. Yeah, um, there are points when I am at the end of my resources, you know, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't mean that I have done a bad job or that 
I am a failure or anything. What it means is that I, I've done everything I can. I'm going to continue doing everything I can. And the thing that I can do next is call somebody who can help even more than I can. You know, like totally. I, I could have in some of my more prideful moments, I could have tried to just carry her to the car and drive her to the hospital, you know, yeah. and that would have been a really dangerous, bad choice. <laughs> yeah. But it, it did take an ounce of humility to be like, all right, I, yeah. I am, I've done what I can. Right. I'm done. I got, I got to right. get somebody else involved. Yeah. yeah. It's that relationship between humility and magnanimity, right? Like mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. magnanimous enough to like, mm. I will help you. We will have this baby. This right. is, we're going to do this. I believe that we can do this. Just not that, on the toilet. But yeah. just not on the toilet. But like, that's where I'm going to disagree with you slightly. Um, but, but you're also humble enough to, humble enough to go, like, we're going to do this by calling someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, I recently read a book called Virtuous Leadership, and there's a line in it that says, um, uh, humble enough to lead, magnanimous enough to serve. Hmm. And I think that applied to marriage, I think can be really, really huge. Like Hmm. there are times where we have to step up and lead, but we have to do so with the fullness of humility, knowing Mm -hmm. that we don't have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. We can call someone who does have more answers. that can do something better than us. Um, But also be magnanimous enough to know, like my wife can't do this. I can't, I can't be a shrinking, a shrinking violet this month. Like, well, I don't know, honey, what, (laughs) when you're done screaming, we'll talk, you know, like, no, no, you pick up the phone and you do it, you know, like, and I, cause there are some of those moments in, in our marriage and just even in other friendships and things where I do have those moments of like, I guess you could probably call it weakness of like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Or like, what do you think? You know, Mm. like Uh instead of being clear about, I think this is what we should do. Just kind of like shirking that decision or that responsibility at, at certain yeah. moments but it was really clear in that moment like there is no option to do that right yeah. i just we we've got to be decisive i got to be clear i've got to i got to make a choice and and we got to we got to move in the right direction and maybe it's sometimes easier in the middle of a, of her giving birth like Correct. oh this is one i don't know how to do like, <laughs> hold on honey i'm gonna watch some youtubes about I was this gonna say <laughs> and like maybe more often when you do it about like building stairs or, hey siri like, yeah. uh, <laughs> what do i do for labor in the living room what do you got <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I am curious to kind of go back on YouTube and like leave a comment so this video works. <laughs> this position, 10 out of 10, would recommend. <laughs> That's a really good question. She, I don't think she did, but that would be a really funny comment to read below a YouTube video. <laughs> like, it worked 100% of the time. I had a baby 60 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Pat, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Uh, we love you. Uh, we love what you and your family are about, what you're doing uh, through the Martin Center. Um, yeah, bro. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. And thank you to Kenna uh, for, for having that baby. Amen. <laughs> for being yep. a champion. Thanks, Kenna. That's, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for making it to the living room. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening to this episode of the Story Dram Podcast. Uh, we share stories to help see the story of God active in our everyday life. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, give it a like, a review, subscribe, share it with your pregnant wife or your buddy who's about to have a baby. So Wait, he- time out. Don't share it with your pregnant oh, wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> share it with your 43-year-old wife who's like, the only babies we're having now are adopted babies. You know? <laughs> Again, it turned out fine. It all worked out. If yeah. you have a baby in an ambulance, it'll be beautiful. It's A-OK. It is A-OK. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Back to the close. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Thanks for listening to Storygram. <laughs>